An unlikely pair of elves stood side by side in the heart of the Cinchona Mountains, gazing out over the shallow waters of Linic Pond and, specifically, into the gaping hole now uncovered by the receding waters. The drought had been costly in the land of Toblenhawk, deadly in some cases. Crops in the Timuka region withered in the fields. The heat of the Nitrarian Desert left earthen elfin homes cracking and collapsing, and the rivers barely trickled into Meechan Lake, causing a dramatic shift in the flora and fauna that had once been so prominent during this age of tranquility. Unaware that the charms had prophesied that these two elves perched precariously on the rocky ledge would turn the tides of the land, forcing it rather painfully from one age into the next. Berilo and Adamir secured their horses and lowered themselves into the treacherous gorge below. The only legend of which they were aware involved magical gemstones glowing blue in color with varying potential depending which elf you questioned. Adamir, impetuous, impulsive, and perhaps rather brash, understood that bringing a trove of gemstones back to the palace of the running waters in an attempt to win the hand of a Barillo's sister, Kinkana, would not end in vain. The queen of the Cinchona elves was not one who trifled with insincerities or those otherwise disingenuous in nature. She was simply a cut above the rest and felt as though she perhaps would venture through life alone ruling over the land with clarity and wisdom before turning over her land to another line of elves. Adamir, ever the true believer in himself, planned to change her mind. Kincana's weakness, as he had come to discover, came in the form of anything resembling eclectic elegance. Surely the gemstones buried deep below the waters of Linic Pond, guarded by the Orko Maman, would capture her eye, if not her heart. As if Adamir held every audacious trait hostage for himself, Barillo carried himself quite differently than his old childhood friend. Self-confident, kind to all, and an adventurer to the extreme, Barillo had his own plans for the legendary gemstones, plans he had shared with no one, not even his beloved older sister. Barillo had withstood a number of encounters with Kismet herself, you see, and although he'd risked going mad or otherwise losing portions of sensibility, he'd learned more about the ancient magic than the old stories revealed. To share the secrets could lead to Toblenhawk's demise. To use the secret for himself, however, would bring him to the edge of the most epic adventure imaginable. He'd conquered the peaks in the Cinchonas. He'd sailed off to the far east in search of new lands. This, this power that Kismet described with riddles and song, this would be his crowning glory. And he only needed one of the blue stones. Adamir could have the rest to serve his own intentions. Welcome to our first bonus episode of Toblenhawk. On today's episode, we're leaving our adventurous siblings behind for a moment to gain a bit more insight into this magical, fantastic land of elves. I'm Hillary, your host, the lucky one who gets to lead you through each chapter of our fantasy adventure, while the characters face menacing creatures, wicked elven queens, and their own inner demons on the quest for truth, 
unity, and unwavering loyalty. As you know, our listeners usually have a say in how things progress by casting a vote at the end of each episode, picking the plot as our writers plan the next chapter. Bonus episodes work a little bit differently, however. While there aren't any votes to tally at the end, we're still curious to hear your thoughts. You've shared so many good ones. So at the end of today's episode, remember to leave us a five-star review on whichever platform you are listening from. Then go ahead and send us a quick email at toblinhawk at gmail.com with any thoughts, suggestions, or otherwise brilliant ideas to include as our story moves forward. And so, without any further ado, here we go with bonus episode number one, The Stones That Changed It All. Granite outcroppings and dried-up scree made the short hike through the gorge more tedious than they'd anticipated. Barillo, a far more experienced mountaineer, led the way, and although Adamir had acquiesced, there was a stabbing irritation deep within his soul that he worked to keep just below the surface. If Barillo noticed, he simply did not care to address it. Realizing that the evening would be upon them within a few short hours, Barillo's pace quickened, leaving Adamir to cope with his own inadequacies as he fell behind. By the time Adamir reached the gaping hole at the base of the gorge, having scraped his right leg, torn his shirt on the jagged rocks now above them, and twice nearly slid into one of the leftover pools of water alongside their makeshift path, Barillo had begun to create an anchor for the rope he planned to tie around his waist. The crux of the descent would be, hopefully, at the mouth of the cave, which had a lip around it that made it nearly impossible for a climber to gain any footing below. Barillo would have to drop down, hold his torch, and hope to avoid the crags and jutting rock when he did so. Adamir grabbed the rope that Barillo was holding out for him and attempted unsuccessfully to mimic the figure-eight knot Barillo had effortlessly, though perfectly, tied in. Any underlying annoyance and overblown ego was squelched as Adamir peered into the dark, shadowy, unforgiving cutout in the gorge below. Uh, your sister was right. Adamir's voice was not even begrudging, despite his usual superiority complex. You certainly know how to handle things out here. You sound surprised. Barillo met Adamir's gaze evenly, and, uh, yes, she was right. You need some help out here. Adamir's lips tightened, and although he knew Barillo had not meant it as a backslap, the slight feeling of annoyance returned to simmer just below the surface of his skin. Barillo fastened the rope around his waist and dropped his pack next to Adamir's feet. Why do you so naturally assume that you will be the one to go in? Adamir kept his voice calm, though he burned with envy deep within. Barillo stood very still, contemplating. He shared many traits with his royal sister, one of them being patience. Another, well, today we'd call it an interesting twist on conflict resolution. Adamir's internal fire slowed as he watched Barillo untie the same knot he'd just created to fasten himself in. Here you go. Drop your pack, Barillo instructed calmly, indicating that he would fasten the rope around Adamir's waist for him. 
Adamir swallowed rather nervously as he peered once again into the black abyss below their feet. I just meant, uh, we, we never discussed this part. I just think Adamir's voice trailed off into the corners of the gorge while Barillo waited patiently. Barillo glanced at the shadows growing longer in the gorge, hoping that Adamir would talk himself out of this before too much more time passed. When you're down there, remember to give some of the gemstones to the Orko Maman. She's likely down there guarding them and appreciates offerings rather than flat-out thievery. She won't mind you taking some, but if you anger her... Barillo furrowed his brow, his face clouding over at the catastrophic possibilities the fierce guardian of the mountain treasure was capable of. Any fire within Adamir's soul completely died at that moment, and he handed the rope back to Barillo. We both get credit for our discovery, right? Adamir thought it best to make sure that this point was clear. Barillo grinned, shaking his head ever so slightly, with a flash of childhood memories passing through quickly. Barillo bringing home a string of fish from the river and Adamir holding it up proudly, allowing everyone to believe he'd caught them all himself. Barillo building a cabin to the north of the palace and Adamir nailing in the last shingle when Kenkena arrived, allowing her to believe he'd completed the structure on his own. Glory was not something that interested Barillo, not something he needed. His own personal knowledge of his capabilities was all that mattered. Even now, even when the greatest discovery in the history of Toblenhawk was within his grasp, Adamir could have it. The glory held no significance to him. Adamir was satisfied with this answer. In fact, he felt rather entitled to the credit for the discovery, truth be told, but that wasn't terribly surprising. As Barillo descended into the small opening, Adamir checked to make sure his end of the rope was securely tied to both himself and the anchor rock to the side and he sat down with his day pack. There were a few things to eat, and he was quite pleased with himself that he'd had the presence of mind to be fair and only take his share of the rations. He uncorked the endless nitrarian water carrier given to him by Inwe, the region's queen, on his last visit to the council rooms. Looking around, he finally had the time to realize just how incredible it was that they were this low in the gorge. He watched as a fish flopped in one of the leftover pools of water from the pond. Up until now, he'd been so focused on the treasure, he hadn't fully appreciated the fact that no one else, save for the Orko Maman, had ever been where he was now seated. Adamir felt a small tug on the rope around his waist and wondered if he was supposed to do something. When no other signals came, he turned his gaze toward the sky and sat up straight. He was alarmed to note that the clouds were forming over the sun in the west. Ironically, the rainstorm the entire land desperately needed had the potential to be fatal for them as they navigated the depths of the empty watershed. Adamir gave the rope a slight pull, hoping to indicate to Barillo that something was brewing. There was no reply. Adamir was aware that he would not be able to convince Barillo to put a stop to things now, now that they were so close. He studied the skies above and convinced himself that Barillo would be just fine. A few raindrops wouldn't cause any trouble. Inside the depths of the cave within Lynet Gorge, Barillo concentrated on his breathing, maintaining his calm at all costs. He'd felt the tug on the rope from above, but had dismissed it as a mistake on Adamir's part. 
no telling what Adamir was doing at this moment, more than likely eating all the rations within their packs. Barillo could feel the slime of the algae from the receded waters, could hear the creatures scuttling back and forth in the narrow passageway. His forearm, he could see in the light of his torch, had been ripped and bloodied by the sharp rocks along the walls. Around the corner, all at once, there was light. Not daylight, not another torch, but a soft blue glow that was permeating the cavern walls. The stones, he breathed the words aloud, almost in utter disbelief, despite the stories from his childhood, despite the chance of the charm who'd given him so many rhyming instructions. Barillo secured the torch in a crevice and opened his leather pouch. He counted the stones as he placed them in his pack, keeping his breath even and his heart rate as low as possible. Ten for each region, one for himself. Whispers began to fill the air from all corners of the cavern, the Orco Maman. Barillo reached into the trove for more treasure, offerings for the mythical woman guarding all things precious within the Cinchona Mountain region. For what do you seek my treasures? came the whispers, though Barillo could find no one around him in the dancing light of the torch. For goodness, Mother Mountain, for abundance for our lands, the waters have parted so that we may regain the elven peace and prosperity we've always known. And the one? Barillo's heart skipped a beat, the Orco Maman knew. He'd taken one more for himself, and she knew. The magic will not help those who seek to use it for destruction came the whispering voice through the humid, musty air surrounding him. Barillo placed his most recent handful of gemstones on the ledge next to the torch. I have no ill intent, Mother Mountain, now or ever. Of that I can assure you. A quick flash of light snapped through the entire cavern in less than a split second, reaching up to the surface where Adamir sat, licking his fingers, leaving him wondering if he'd seen lightning in the sky above as the rains began to drive down more steadily. I believe you, whispered the Orko Maman, and with that, the whisper was gone. Barillo let his breath out in a gasp, not having fully recognized how tense he'd been through the conversation with the guardian of the most powerful magic in the land. He tugged on the rope, and his heart sank when he felt slack when it should have been taut. He hoped against hope that it had not come untied from Adamir or the anchor rock, or both. Barillo froze for just a moment, briefly wondering if the Orco Maman had found Adamir above him and made a different decision on his intentions. Water was beginning to trickle down the sides of the passageway, and the dripping noises became more and more pronounced as the small cavern of jewels began to pool with water. Barillo slung the tightened pack over his shoulder and left the torch to die in the rising water. He used both hands to grab onto the cavern walls, pulling himself up on the sides in one swift motion. He crunched himself up as small as possible to slide through the next opening, recognizing that the water was coming faster and faster now. Looking down, Barillo could see the glow of the jeweled cavern glimmering with water, reflecting on the sides of the cave wildly as it completely filled. Determining not to look back again, he steadied himself and focused on the present moment. 
the goal of exiting the cavern safely. It seemed to him that the earth had summoned the sky to open up and flood the deep opening, that the elements were all working against him in order to keep the jewels in their home. Rocks fell away from the walls as he tried to maneuver. His thoughts began to blur together. It was hard to tell if he was heading in the right direction. The slack rope and the direction from which the water flowed was enough to give him presence of mind. If Barillo had been disoriented as to which direction to move before, he would not be again. The water level was rising much more rapidly, and the gravity of the situation became undeniable. Moving too slowly had allowed for the water to reach his ankles now. It seemed that the faster he moved, the faster the water rose. Hearing shouts from above, Barillo's ever-present hope gave way to relief. He gave the rope a final tug to signal to Adamir that he was almost there, but the wet, slippery rope pulled too easily, and only a moment passed before the other end of it came tumbling down past him. Barillo, however, kept his gaze fixed on the light from above that was now in view. Try as he might, he could not find his voice to shout a reply to his friend. The only sensation he had left was the weight of the jewels on his back and the rough sides of the cavern walls beneath his hands. His knuckles were bloodied, and he had gashes on his forearms. His cold, wet clothing clung to his skin, and the fear that had the potential to grip him was cast aside as the light from above came closer and closer. "'I can see you!' came Adamir's voice from above. Keep coming, you're almost here. The genuine, encouraging voice of Kinkana's suitor gave him the stamina to press on. Barillo began to regain feeling in his extremities as his head poked above the surface of the gorge. He laughed a bit maniacally as Adamir used all his strength to help lift him from the hole in the ground. The rain was coming in sheets and the wind was howling around them. Barillo signaled towards his pack, indicating the success of the fruits of his labor very briefly before taking charge of their now precarious situation on the lower surface of the gorge. Let's go, he shouted above the winds. If we can't get out of here, none of it will matter. Adamir nodded, frozen in terror at the task of scaling the walls of the gorge in the storm. We have to move, shouted Barillo. Do you understand? Again, Adamir nodded, but again he could not bring himself to move. Barillo prodded him on, insisting that Adamir take the lead knowing that the trailblazer always feels more pressure to push forth. Without this, Adamir would have floundered desperately until the floodwaters simply washed him away. At that moment, the course of events set in motion shifted Tobinhawk's future forever, moving the elves from the age of tranquility into the more modern age of abundance, securing the most ancient magic into the halls of the royal council, for future generations to deliberate over, sometimes agonize over, eventually go to war over. For tonight, however, the unlikely pair of elves built a shelter to wait out the storm, and as it passed, built a fire to cook over, to dry themselves out, and to bring warmth to an otherwise cool mountain evening. As Barillo and Adamir stretched out by the fire, Barillo could hardly remember the effort it had taken to get himself out of the caverns. Adamir was grinning ear to ear, his sense of humor and sense of entitlement now back in full force. 
By the time night had completely blanketed the mountains around them, Barilo was laughing and recapturing his moments inside the cave for Adamir. Together, they marveled over the jewels. They carefully laid out plans to present them to the royal counselor, which would take place after they'd been presented to Kinkana and formally named after her. Adamir was correct in believing that Kinkana would be both speechless and awed at their discovery, and would subsequently agree to marry him at the next festival of the solstice. He planned to present the gemstones to her with the plan he and Barilo had crafted, with each region of Toblenhawk to hold an equal share, thus ending the famine and drought that had long since plagued the land bringing instead a time of plenty where no elven family would want for anything to sustain their existence, their happiness. The best laid plans are created with the most pure intentions. Barilo ran his fingers over the small lump on the inside pocket of his jacket, calmly, patiently, waiting for the right moment. He handed the leather pack to Adamir, nodding solemnly. Adamir's eyes glazed over with a rather frenzied greed, and Barilo furrowed his brow briefly, very briefly, wondering if Adamir was the right match for his sister, Kinkana. Would he be kind? Would he be a good husband, a good father? Would he be able to exist in her shadow? As if shaking off a bad omen, Barilo twitched his head and cleared his throat. This is your glory, Adamir, yours alone. It might carry a heavy burden, but I have faith in our plans. I have faith that you will carry forward with integrity. The glazed look washed away, and Adamir answered, mirroring Barilo's serious tone. I, too, have faith in our plans, and I give my word that integrity and loyalty are the two pillars on which my life is bound to. Barilo held up his hand, listening. The horses were tethered below, and one or both of them was prancing his hooves and snorting. Barilo leaned to look down the slope toward them, and the sound of a horse's whinny brought him to his feet. His hand ran over the breast of his jacket once more. Stay here and keep watch over the fire. I will return shortly. But Barilo did not return. It was with a heavy heart that Adamir returned to the Palace of the Running Waters. He'd searched for four nights and five days, trying to understand what had happened to his beloved Kinkana's younger brother, trying to explain to her that he was gone, that Barilo had vanished without a trace, was the most difficult task he'd faced in his life so far. It made the experience in the gorge pale in comparison. Had the Orkomaman come to claim him, this stealer of her jewels? There certainly had been no signs of it. The horses were left unscathed. Once Barilo had gone to check on them, the noises had simply stopped. There were no tracks, no traces of a clue anywhere close to their encampment along Lynek River that could explain Barilo's disappearance. He was simply gone never again to return to the family that held him so close to their heart. Thank you for joining us for this first bonus episode of Toblin Hawk. A couple of things here. First, remember, if you're enjoying our story, please take some time to give us a five-star review on Spotify. Second, 
If you'd like to study a rough map of the land and find some pictures of the different elven regions in Toblenhawk, visit our ever-changing, somewhat under-construction website at toblenhawk.com to check it out. Finally, if you have some thoughts to share, send a quick email with comments or questions to toblenhawk at gmail.com. Our next chapter will rejoin Cullen, Cordelia, Thea, and Devlin as they determine how to help their father escape the dungeons from deep within the Sinchona Mountains, and listeners will cast their votes once more to advance the story. So stay tuned for the next episode of Toblenhawk.